Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, take care, Mr. Bike. See you, buddy. And off he goes, Mr. Bike, riding his bike into the city. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, February 10th, or February, December 10th. Good Lord. All right. Tuesday, December 10th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we'd like to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two. Let's do this. Tuesday, December 10th, not February, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of our dear friends and political strategists, Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry. And now your host, not a political strategist. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, no, I told Lori today I could not do what she does. I would, if someone hired me, they would fire me within a day. And then, then no one would. No one, <laughs> she agrees. I cannot do what she does. So yeah, definitely not a political strategist. But that doesn't stop me from opining. <laughs> a political opiner. Yeah. Uh, we got Juanita and Lori. We're going to bring them on. Do you got an update for me, young man? Absolutely, I do. People, we have a JB Pritzker update. Oh, okay. So dramatic. Which candidate does Governor JB Pritzker support in the 2020 presidential election? You're going to find out if you don't stop listening, so don't stop listening. But first, our previous guest, Mr. Bike. Uh, we'd like to say thanks to Mr. Bike. He did a great job. Yeah, he Mr. Bike. Tapes and everything. Mr. Bike is like the Ben Jarofsky show on Facebook. And we suggest that all of you listening do the same. If you're listening right now and you've yet to like the Ben Jarofsky show on Facebook or on Twitter, at Benny J Show, what's your problem? Come on, do it. <laughs> At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Give us a like, follow, share, review. Tell us you don't like us or tell us we're awesome. Either one. Do whatever you want to do. Just head over to at Benny J Show on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, maybe we'll read your comments later on in the day. All right, back to that J.B. Pritzker update. Wow, I, yeah, I didn't know he endorsed anybody. This is breaking news. <laughs> is it? Okay. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Tinas Fondelas. J.B. Pritzker gave a press conference and Tinas Fondelas cornered him. Who are you supporting in the 2020 presidential oh. election? J.B. Pritzker. Well, smooth as butter. He said a Democratic one. 
Oh, he slicked that Jamie Pritzker. Yes, Jamie Pritzker was born at night, but not last night. I'm not a perfect person. Still, we don't know yet, but a democratic one. It's, you know? You got to give him credit, Juanita Irizarry. That is a pretty, pretty slick good. move. I hadn't thought of it. I was like, oh my God, who do you endorse? By the way, did you guys hear uh, Lori Lightfoot? I've been giving Lori Lightfoot a little grief today on the show for some of her budget stuff, but I give her a lot of love for her challenging old Mayor Pete. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, she, yes. She went down to Iowa on Friday. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know why she was. She was about whatever. She was uh, questioning him at some kind of a panel, and That's uh, a mayor's. Yes, caucusy thing. Yeah, and she, man, I that inner criminal uh, lawyer, corporate lawyer, not criminal, but corporate lawyer. Uh, she was grilling him on the issue of his non-disclosure agreement yes. for back in the days when he was a consultant with McKinsey. And uh, come on, Lori, let me ask you this question: Put you on the hot seat right now. Oh. Should he or should he not uh, reveal what he was up to when he was a consultant back in the day? Go. Um, I think actually he needs to talk to his former employer to see if there are things that he can share because I think that uh, he's now in the public eye mm -hmm. and we we keep going back and forth like I mean, to be in the public eye means it's it's a it's a gift it's a privilege it's not a right and once you go into the public eye then you're going to be scrutinized so you have to think about those things now if he can't if legally, if there is an NDA where he non-disclosure non agreement. agreement, then I mean that is a law, and actually the right, uh, you know, we the rule of law is actually so being challenged right now. We do have to uh, respect our laws, but I do think that uh, we're trying to figure out with these candidates what are their values when they have power, when mm -hmm. they're in authority, what are they gonna do? But, and I also understand she grilled him and I don't know how he responded to the issue of the African-American community oh, in his city as well, that he's been having some issues with. Uh, do you know how he responded? No, I did not hear that response. We played the, the uh, I'm gonna go back and listen to the whole thing. Uh, we played the part where she's grilling him. God, I give Lori Light for credit for coming hard at Mayor Pete. Nope. Uh, uh, do you want to play for uh, Juanita and Lori? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to get some Juanita's comments on this. this you said you can't talk about your work at McKinsey uh, because of a non-disclosure agreement. And you think said today uh, that you got to honor your commitment to McKinsey. I'm asking you, shouldn't you break that NDA so that you have the moral authority and the high ground against somebody like Trump who hides behind the lack of transparency to justify everything that he's doing? So here's what I'm doing. First of all, um, I, I just pushed out a bunch of information about each of the engagements that I did when I was at McKinsey. This is my first job out of school. It's not like I was the CEO. I was making a lot of spreadsheets and PowerPoints, but people ought to know from somebody who proposes to be the president of the United States uh, what's in your past. And just as I have considered it important to release all of the tax returns from when I first entered the private sector, something not all of my competitors have been willing to do, I also think it's important for my client work to, uh, to be out there too. So I've pushed as much information as I can without breaking the promise that I made in writing. And I am asking my former employer to do the right thing, to not make me choose between claiming the moral high ground and going back on my word. Yeah, but they're they not going fix to, this right? Tonight. And NDAs are, are 
courts across the land have said that they're not enforceable, you should break the NDA. I'm going to give him a chance to do the right thing, and then we'll take it from there. I got to say, Lori Lightfoot, good job. In my opinion, that's just my opinion. What's your opinion? Well, I'm all for uh, the mayor having pressed him on that. Absolutely. I I was talking about this with a friend the other day, and our big thing was if he was not a white man at this stage in his career, he would not be a presidential candidate. I mean, maybe he should run for governor of Indiana or something, but I cannot figure out how you get to go from South Bend, Indiana mayor, by the way, figuring out slowly that segregation in the schools there was a problem, jumping to the presidency of the United States of America. And I know that if he was a black man or a woman, he would not be really in this space. You know, I gotta tell you someone, yeah, you're speaking my language there. I I had this revelation when I was taking a walk the other day, okay? I was th- taking a walk. I'm going to get both of your Are thoughts. Are you getting religious? Uh, n- well, I've, I'm, I'm kind of like a spiritual guy without the religion. Right. Uh, and uh, it's, it's hard for me just to... I think they called that a hippie back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> a pot-smoking hippie. So I had Are this... you saying you smoke pot? Uh, I, I smoked uh, <laughs> large quantities of pot back in the day. But that's a whole other story, which I'm going to deal with at another time. But I'm going to get back to this revelation I had the other day when I was uh, walking down the street. I was walking down the street and I was thinking of Mayor Pete. I was like, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I have never, like, he's, I've watched every debate, Lori, yeah. Juanita. I, I watch every single debate. And at different times, different candidates. I even the Amy Klobuchar, who's to the right of me, I like. You know, I kind of like that, or I like this, and I, pretty much every single candidate on that stage at one point. But Mayor Pete is never really. I just he's not. I just don't feel it. There's just something about the guy. There's something. I just like phony or whatever. And then it hit me. You know who loves Mayor Pete? My beloved boomer generation. That's correct. They, they love him. It's like he's the nice guy that opens the door for them. When they go, oh, and how was your day, uh, Mrs. Lori Glenn? And they're like, oh, he's such a nice guy, you know, a nice young man. Yeah. What do you think about I that mean, revelation? I, I have some friends that like him. And so I've kind of paid attention a little bit because of the people that I know who were speaking for him. But I haven't been able to figure it out myself. Like, but, but. Maybe it is the age thing because they do fit in the, the age group that you're talking about. So I'll give you that. I think it's an age thing. Well, actually, I think we have to look at his record because, in fact, uh, Mayor Pete is a more moderate candidate. He is pro-charter, actually. He is for privatization of education in America. And uh, that is very disturbing to me. That is not a progressive stance. I really believe in public education. So. Well, I think he is 37, I believe, and uh, uh, so he is a millennial voice. uh, And actually, I think he has this sort of statesmanship kind of quality. Uh, We do have to say that this man um, went, was in the military, was in the, you know, on the front lines is my understanding. And uh, he, um, I think, uh, has this kind of cool, un- calm under the storm kind of, he reminds me of like the picture of George Washington or Napoleon where they put their hand in their shirt and they're marching forward and he's kind of got that presidential thing going on. But the reality is at this point in time, I don't really care about like how people act. I don't even really care about his NDA and what he did then. What I really care about is as president, 
Are you going to privatize public education? That's what I want to know. Are you actually progressive in your values? Do we share values regardless of whether I am okay boomer or you are a millennial? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I'm more progressive than you are actually. Um, So, and what I would also suggest is in with any candidate is follow the money. Mm. So I actually thought you were going to say that our governor uh, was going to state that he was endorsing Buttigieg because we know our former mayor actually does, has supported him. And the largest amount of large donor dollars that he's getting is out of uh, Chicago. So follow that money. Where does he get his money? And that will tell you a whole lot about this guy. I, I will say I'm, I'm- got pictures in my head of the people that I know who follow him and a couple of them are 50 something year old gay men white men I get that one of them is an African-American woman I don't really get it other than that she has known him for many years and you know helped him on his way up another is a Mexican-American mm-hmm. young young guy right they're they're diverse <laughs> right but all of them have followed people and supported people that are different than I have supported over the years. So I guess we just have different politics. Um, and, and it is, for me, I ask, is he progressive? And I would say no. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, who's been naughty and who's been nice? So obviously, in the presidential campaign, uh, Kamala must have been naughty because she didn't make it. What happened? Her campaign completely fell apart. Um, that is a great topic for discussion, but do you say we need to take a break? Yeah. We're going to take a break, come back and talk about that when we return. The Ben Jaromsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Lori Glenn, Juanita Rosari in the studios, and uh, we're talking politics, national politics. We're going to do some local, but we got into this national politics thing, so let's continue to the national political thing. We just got finished talking about Mayor Pete. I'm just going to throw this out there before we go move on to uh, Kamala Harris. Mayor Pete, and this is a generational thing. Uh, you guys are too young to know what the re- reference. Reminds me of a character in Leave it to Beaver named Eddie Haskell. And Eddie Haskell was always the guy. She's old enough. I'm not. I, he was like, no, Mrs. Cleaver, let me carry your bags for you. And then when Mrs. Cleaver was out of the room, they were like, hey, man, give me that bottle. I mean, that's who he reminds me of. He's Eddie Haskell. And even that answer, Lori Lightfoot. And again, can I give a shout out to Lori Lightfoot? I've been giving you a hard time about budgets, et cetera, and so forth. That was some good grilling of Mayor Pete. Even that, that answer was so weaselly. She asked him a very direct question, and he starts right off. He's so smooth. I got to give him credit. He starts right off. He goes, well, I wasn't exactly the CEO of the company. So it's like dismissing the the relevancy of her question right off the bat. And then he's like, and I have been pushing them to do stuff. You know, it's but even that instead of just directly answering uh, the question, he didn't really design the ovens. He just screwed in the Mm. he just had the screwdriver that gave to the guy that put them in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. Kamala Harris, uh, right before we went to break, Lori, you mentioned Kamala Harris, and the people tease me, my lefty friends, because I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid for a while. I really, uh, I wanted Kamala to 
make it to the next rounds. I liked how she went aggressively at Joe Biden in that first debate. I was really rooting for Kamala Harris. It didn't work out for Kamala Harris. Yeah, I have to say, um, I did miss that one debate where she stole people's hearts and it sounded like she was really, she found her voice. And then in the subsequent debates, she just seemed like she was distracted to me. Whatever power there was uh, from that initial moment, it did not seem to be there. Even in Facebook ads, I would see her do just, she just felt like, she'd lost that mojo. So I don't know this woman at all, but it seemed like something happened and she lost that momentum. And in a campaign, in many ways, you can have $50 million, you can, I ran a governor's race and we had millions, but the candidate's heart was not in it. And he won the next time because his wife's heart was really in it and really wanted him to be governor. But if a candidate isn't really into it, it is not gonna work. And she had her sister. So you've got this whole thing, her sister's running her campaign. There's the whole nepotism thing is a dangerous thing. It's, you know, you can't really let the candidate know. She did, I read this article, she lived in the land of consultants, and I think Al Gore talked about this, and as a consultant, I would say to candidates, throw us away, listen to your heart. We are just tools, but we are not the answer. We are no silver bullet, and I think she lost control of her campaign, and I think she and her sister are probably going to be in counseling for a while. Juanita? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, maybe, what her heart is in is actually the vice presidency. Um, I've always wondered if she was really going for the gold um, or setting herself up for something else. Um, I was a little surprised in the timing of her dropping out. I, you know, I in fact, was, was taken aback, but she was losing staff on her campaign. Um, I had never been one of the folks who knew who she was or saw whatever it was that had drawn people yeah. to her. I would love to have loved her if her policies had been different. But what I what I hear, again, is another person who's not a progressive. Oh, well, I, it, that opening round uh, where she challenged Joe Biden in that opening debate, she went at him hard uh, on the issue of school integration, which it's, it, I mean, that was an, it was hearkening uh, back to an ancient issue, uh, which, which is not really uh, at the heart of anything right now, but uh, she was so forceful. And then in the very, um, I could see the seeds of her demise, politically speaking, this uh, race. Uh, by the time the next debate came around, she was already backtracking on her support for uh, Medicare for All, so it looked like she was wishy-washy. And then Tulsi Gabbard, in the next debate, right. went at her hard on her days as attorney general uh, in California and the fact that um, she was supporting a locking up um, uh, pe people for marijuana, uh, et cetera, and so forth. And um, we had a, I've had a conversation uh, on the show. Uh, Letisa Wallace was on the show, uh, the uh, who, candidate for lieutenant governor, and Samina Mustafa, and they made a very compelling point. As legitimate as Tulsi Gabbard was, uh, Juanita, when she said that, that kind of accusation uh, that somebody is a cop, attorney general is a cop, is only reserved for women, women of color. 
And uh, what Leticia pointed out was that it was the same thing that was thrown at uh, Lori Lightfoot yes. when she ran for mayor. She's a cop. And uh, what Leticia was saying was, I want to know that kid who got elected uh, state's attorney or district attorney at San Francisco, Bowden, uh, are they going to call him a cop when he tries to use that as a launching point? Uh, to his next, in other words, that there's something unfair with the accusation that she's a cop. How do you, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's problematic in general. I still would probably look at Kamala Harris's record and be concerned about kind of how she came at things as a prosecutor. So, but honestly, when you talk about Tulsi Gabbard, all I can think about is this article that I read about how she's like part of this cult yes. that is kind of wacko. So kind of dismiss anything that she says, even just uh, because of her you mean Her the white background. suit didn't do yeah. it, or the yeah. white? Wait, you're talking about uh, her upbringing? Yeah, there back. was an article about her upbringing, and one has to really read the full article to, to really understand it. So I want to be careful because it does talk about her being part of a Hindu religion, which is not the issue at all, but that she seems to be part of this secret group of folks that is manipulating one another and her, and that you know maybe is following the leadership of some wacky guy. And we already have a wacky guy in the White House and a bunch of cultists as far as I'm concerned in that regard. So we need to actually get someone who is not wacky in okay. the White House. So I really think that when we're talking about criminal justice and you're talking about being the top cop, it is then your responsibility as the candidate to start talking about restorative justice and to frame the dialogue because someone has got to actually keep every, the law exists, right? Mm -hmm. Again, the rule of law. But who does the law serve? So we know that the police state that we have currently was actually created uh, to keep people in line, basically people of color, and keep them out and not in and all sorts of things. So if you choose to be uh, a law enforcement official, and I respect our law enforcement officials, but I really respect the ones who are thoughtful about what does it mean about changing the culture, changing the whole concept and notion of policing, uh, of law enforcement in general, and we have to make restor restitution and restor we really need to change the whole way we think about things. So in my mind, if I was really gonna love Kamala Harris, I would have loved to have heard her say, look, let's talk about restorative justice. We have uh, retributive justice in our country. How do we change the way we think about the law? Mm -hmm. I didn't hear that from her. Absolutely, and and so, Listening to you talk about it, uh, Lori, leads me to wonder this. Is it possible for a candidate to get up on stage and say, I was wrong? Oh, yes. I mean, is it possible? Like when, when Tulsi Gabbard hit her hard uh, with that question, it was a pivotal moment in that debate. And I, well, I've been thinking about this. What if Kamala Harris said, you know what? I was laboring under a whole bunch of assumptions uh, that I now realize were wrong. Yeah. What if Joe Biden said this about his vote uh, for Bill Clinton's a crime bill in the 1990s? Right. Is, is it does it make it Juanita make does it make a candidate look weak or indecisive if they dared to say I was wrong back then? I'm just really big on truth. So I think admitting that you've changed over over the years or you've understood differently the ramifications of a certain policy and now you get that there needs to be new ways to think about these things. I see that as wisdom. I see that as integrity. And we need a lot more of both of those in our system right now. 
Uh, I have run political campaigns, and I absolutely fundamentally believe that candidates need to come up and either say, hey, you know what? I don't think I was wrong. Like, come up and say, I believe in this. We disagree, all right? Or say, you're right. I've learned. I've grown. I'm not the same person, you know, as I was at 23 if there was something nefarious that happened under his Which NDA. Which is true of almost all of us, right? Oh my we're God, not the same yes. person we were when we were 23. That's exactly right. So I actually have often said to my clients, um, just say you're sorry. It's the first thing you do is you apologize. I was wrong. I'm a firm believer in that. Well, I I, uh, I think that might have helped Kamala Harris. Uh, you know, as I said, her campaign had a lot of issues because it wasn't clear what she actually stood for. Uh, so when you get to that issue saying, I was wrong then, believe me now, then you raise the possibility of people saying, well, what are you, just a flag in the, in the, in the, in the wind? You're just blowing this way or that way? I think you have to come up with explanations for like what was guiding you back in night. Uh, 2005 when you were locking up people for smoking reefer, uh, what was guiding you in 1995 in the case of Joe Biden when you voted for uh, the crime bill. Apparently, Joe Biden still stands by that vote. Well, I, I think that's why people actually need to talk about policy. And some people don't like when somebody's right. too policy wonkish, but I actually appreciate it when someone can articulate the reasons behind the policies that they believe in, even if I don't exactly agree with everything. But to understand that they're thoughtful, they can really articulate why they got to where they got, that I actually respect. I agree. I actually, again, when I ran campaigns, I actually ran campaigns for people who were not all Democrats. I actually elected a couple of Republicans. And why was that? Because the closer I got to the electoral process, nothing was what it seemed to be. And what mm -hmm. I ultimately was looking for were people of integrity because we live in a pluralistic society. And so it's a duking out of ideas. And what I want though, are people with integrity at the table. I wanna know that people are who they say they are. I wanna know that people are gonna stand up for what they believe in. Um, you know, Lori Lightfoot said, a couple of months ago, actually, like her, don't like her, however people feel. She said, I may be the change agent here. I'm not here, maybe I don't get a second term, but I'm here to do what I believe in. Now, whether you like what she believes in or not, I hope she, I hope she stands by that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for the same thing. I think we need more reality that everything is not binary. Um, that's one of the challenges of my job um, day to day is people want to break everything down to black or white in terms of policy right. issues. And most things are somewhere on the continuum in between. Right. And most people are not on one side or the other either. There are a lot of different nuances. And so the more we could have an informed electorate, the more we don't turn off our brains, the more we actually try to engage questions of policy, the healthier society we're going to be. I choose to believe. All right. Well, let's, uh, I'm going to follow up just what you said in your day job, uh, Friends of the Park, Executive Director. And uh, uh, so whatever, uh, when she, when money comes on show, she speaks for herself. That's okay. Right. I always like to say this, sign a waiver. Yes. Uh, and uh, she me speaks speaking, for, not the organization. Uh, not the organization. Um, but you did say something to me. Uh, we were talking about what's your pet peeve, what's on your mind. Uh, so let's just uh, raise that topic, which is a bit off from what we have been talking about the yeah. whole issue go ahead yeah well rising lake levels this is the thing i can't get away from right now there's folks all over the city worried that either their beach or their house is going to fall into the lake and we've already seen some of the beaches actually doing that and i was at a meeting on erosion uh, down on south shore just last week where folks who live 
between South Shore Cultural Center and Rainbow Beach actually own beachfront property. Mm -hmm. And many of those folks have the lake actually in their property already and are really freaking out. Um, The other interesting thing I learned as part of some of these conversations is that the lagoon level is rising in Jackson Park, this being the lagoon that will be right across from where the Obama Center is to be built. So if we keep having these lake levels rising, we may actually have a lagoon in the Obama Center basement <laughs> as well. That was an interesting That'd one. That'd be awesome. That's hilarious. It's, 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 Washington Park's looking a little sweeter these days. Yeah, uh, it's, I was going to say, is that a selling point uh, for the Obama Center to have a lagoon in the middle of the library? I would think not, and they're going to build an underground parking garage right there. I mean, I don't know. You know, it actually came out in a, in a Crane's Chicago business editorial this week when somebody pointed out that there's yet to be a NEPA review, which is National Environmental Policy Act review, about the environmental ramifications of that site and that that issue is going to come up. Well, uh, at the risk of alienating all my uh, friends who love Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and uh, whatever they want, believe that whatever they want to do, they should be able to do. I have to point out, in my humble opinion, uh, this is classic case of Chicago. Not a lot of oversight with the Obama presidential. I don't uh, elaborate. Not, I have never heard, I don't believe anybody's had a discussion about the impact of putting the facility uh, in Jackson Park on, let's say, lakefront erosion uh, or on the le- loss of parkland. Uh, I know there are people who are, are opposed to it, but they're in the outs. They're like the outsiders uh, right. who are not in part of the not in the rooms, as Ricky Hendon likes to say, you know, uh, there's the meetings uh, before the meetings, there's the meetings where the stuff happens, and there's the meeting meetings before the meetings. Anybody who's against the Obama Library is nowhere near the meeting where the decisions are going down. And a lot of people have been bullied into silence. But I will say, to say positive things, that Friends of the Parks has been invited to the table to a meeting about the landscaping next week, and they're doing meetings with a number of groups, and we will be one of the groups that gets to go to a meeting. And we have had some access, way more access to anything than we ever had under Mayor Rahm Emanuel. And since we want to say some nice things about Mayor Lightfoot, I will say that the review process has slowed down and changed significantly under Mayor Lightfoot, who it seems thinks there should be an actual legitimate review, regardless of what the final outcome is, that it shouldn't just be the city playing the role of the federal government and giving it all a thumbs up without doing real review. So we'll give her that credit. So if you're discussing landscaping and they were having erosion, are they going to have lily pads uh, as part of the landscaping? <laughs> this is a good question. I mean, there are actual parts of the design that are meant to be part of like stormwater management. But this whole issue of do you want to p- put a parking garage underground right across from all of this you know, lake, level, lake levels in a place that actually was a marsh, um, you know, it might not be the best idea. So are gondolas part of the job creation <laughs> program that we're but talking see, about? <laughs> nobody in the city of Chicago will tell the University of Chicago and Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, guys, uh, may not be a good idea to put this where it is while the lake is eroding. I mean, while the lake is rising uh, and land is falling into the lake. I know you want it here, but it may not be. A good, that's a problem. Uh, Lori Glenn, in my humble opinion, in the city of Chicago in general, not just particular to this, if so people, we, you, see, you weren't here, we talked about this earlier in the show, uh, we played a tape where uh, one of the aldermen was scanning up extolling the virtues of Mayor uh, Lightfoot's budget and was saying it's easy to say no. 
which I found hilarious to thinking because in the city really, of Chicago. You should tell like all the aldermen <laughs> who like voted 100%, except for like Helen Schiller for the budget or something in like that. In the 90s, <laughs> Helen Schiller in the 90s. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's the problem in the city of Chicago. Everybody's always going along. Like people who will actually take say no are treated, you're malcontent. You're, are you referring to the Chicago way? I don't call it the Chicago way. That was just, that was a line in a movie. Uh, the Chicago way is saying it's the Chicago way. Uh, but so when I want my car parked, you know what I do? I go up and I say, I'll give you 20 and they go, okay. But now it's going up to 30. It's getting a little more. Wait, time like out. you think I'm kidding. Wait, time out. You give them 20 to do what? Just to park your car? To park my car so it stays in front of the hotel or stays in front of the, uh, absolutely. That works? It totally does. I can't tell you. I mean, my boyfriend thinks it's hilarious. Shout out to you, David Marion. <laughs> like, he's like, I can't believe you're doing that. But it works. It's the Chicago way. There is, uh, you know, how you doing? And how does people say back, how you doing? Like we know we're Chicagoans and there has been for years as we know. And and this is what I've talked to um, some of the um, Lightfoot uh, administration and I really do wanna give a shout out. There are just some awesome people in that administration. And uh, some of them, yes, they're young and they're learning. And uh, But you know, I'd rather have young learning non-corrupt people than people who know how to get things done, but they're like so deeply corrupt. But, um, and one of the things I'm most concerned for the Lightfoot administration is not just the fact that they have a learning curve, we expect that, but that the people who are there and have been there for many years, whose cheese is getting moved, they don't want their cheese moved. And they're gonna do everything they can to prevent change. So they're going to do things that will undermine this administration. And that, yes, that's the Chicago way that I'm deeply worried about. Uh, just thinking about the Chicago way, I'm, I'm, I just think about my husband since he did a shout out to your, your partner. Um, he came from Puerto Rico to be with me like 12 years ago and he couldn't find Chicago on a map. He just said, I'm going where you're going, which is so beautiful. But he still thought of Chicago as the Al Capone days, right? So that's what, you know, that's kind of the view that folks still have sometimes of how we do things here in Chicago. And, and you know, it's gotten a little better, but we still got some work to do. Well, the, the, the phrase Chicago Way comes from a movie about Al Capone for what it's worth yep. uh, that David Mamet wrote. Uh, he wrote the script to the movie about, so that's where it comes from. Everybody talks about the Chicago Way. It literally is from an Al Capone movie. Uh, and it's very apropos. By the way, so Lakefront Erosion, why is the lakefront rising? So, you know, people talk about climate change and that is part of the issue. And then others debunk it by saying we've always had lake levels going up and going down. And that's mm -hmm. true, too. Um, one of the most important things is that climate change has brought on more frequent storms and more severe storms. So even if the lake levels go back down, the amount of waves crashing up against your building, if you live right on the lake, or the, the ferocity of those waves coming up on Lakeshore Drive and beating up on the concrete and the revetments, it is to be expected that that's gonna keep getting worse. So there's a lot of money that Chicago's gonna have to spend to you know, fortify what's there. And actually, I, I will say Friends of the Parks is thinking about, hey, let's revisit this proposal we put out there like 10 years ago um, called Last Four Miles, which was to complete the Lakeshore path all the way down to Indiana and all the way up to Evanston. And it would 
add parkland in front of the buildings that are right on the lake in Rogers Park and down in South Shore. And so those folks who currently have kept the rights to the water um, would don't, didn't want to give that up, to be quite honest, but if they had public parkland in front of their house right now, it would be the park district's responsibility. And that actually came up at one of the meetings I was at. And it's sad because people's properties are in trouble and they're really worried, right? So you don't, that's terrible. Um, but in the long term, having that public parkland in front of them would mean that the park district was responsible for that erosion. For those people who live right on the lake, they are responsible unless they've given up their riparian rights and the Army Corps of Engineers has built a revetment. However, that takes a long time. So now they're in emergency mode. And there is a precedent for this because most of the lakefront is landfill. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, someone, some people, we were at Thanksgiving, they live on Castlewood. And actually, there's a picture of the lake coming up to their house mm -hmm. and they're not near, they're near the lake, but they're not near the lake. So we're talking about the lake is kind of creeping back and trying to take back what it already had. But it that goes back to the whole issue of national policy on climate change and whether or not people believe that the most important issue facing our world today is climate change and what are we doing about it? And while Mr. Trump, I hate to call him our president, so we'll just call him Mr. Trump today, is uh, ensconced in um, the impeachment issues that are going on, the real issues are what he has done to the EPA and what he's doing by not participating in the Paris Peace Accords or a uh, peace accord, sorry, uh, the environmental accords. And I, I'm so worried about what's going on that is tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock right now for all of us. Well, go ahead. Well, in Chicago, in the Midwest, it's actually supposed to be one of the better places to be. You know, like, right. don't move to Miami right now, you know? But if we're already having these problems and we're gonna be one of the better places to be, we really need to think seriously about what are the long-term implications of climate change. And what can we do? Uh, again, I'm shouting out to people today, Link Cohen, who, uh, works with Think Inc. and is an incredible writer. And he and his uh, also working on climate change and Al Gore is training people to do these, you know, evening discussions with people. So the question becomes, what can we each do to address the issue of climate change? And what do we need to demand from our elected officials to really actually pay attention to this? And as sad as the situation is, this is actually a real way to get people talking about it because just to talk about climate change in this kind of nebulous. you know nebulous way doesn't always click for people. But when you're you've got lake water in your basement, you know, or in your parking garage, then you start to think differently about it. And even I've just been thinking about this lately. There was a study by the Center for Neighborhood Technology that talked about stormwater problems hitting uh, communities of color worse than other communities here in Chicago. And I just remembered that after living in uh, the same apartment building for 14 years as a kid, what made us leave was flooding in our basement and sewage. And, and so 
it's hard to go to a community of color and say, let's talk about climate change when they're like, you know, I'm worried about my kid getting to school safely and I'm worried about what I'm going to eat. And so people don't want to talk about climate change. But when you talk about sewage in your basement and you've experienced that, then it becomes a real thing for people, right? So this is a time, even though it's sad, it's a time to find real reasons for people to kind of start having that conversation. It's not just about whether you should or should not have a plastic straw. You know, it's about... I mean, and that's a real issue for people with disabilities who need a straw. So I don't, I don't mean to make that not important, right? But people just kind of fluff off like these are not real things, right? But it, when it becomes real for you, then it, it, it allows us to really get people into the conversation. Right. And the actual cost of living. Uh, we have a problem, you know, we can tease about it around potatoes. Uh, the potato crop is actually devastated. So you're going to say, oh, we can't have enough French fries. But actually, we may not for people who are... Uh, don't have a lot of money. That is uh, a food. That My is husband's affordable. really going to join the conversation because he loves French fries. Right. I love French fries too. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that what I'm saying is that actually climate change is also impacting a people's ability uh, to pay for food. But Lori, I'm going to point something out to you that you already know, and I'd just love to get your thoughts on this one. The reality is the president of the United States does not believe in climate change. He thinks it's a hoax perpetuated by the Chinese to uh, undermine our economy. That's what he says. He is supported by 90% of Republicans. Uh, he has locked up at least at least uh, 75% of electoral votes he needs to get reelected. Right. So um, we're heading, the both of you very convincingly uh, point out that this, that this, this, this existential threat we're facing yes. that demands immediate attention yes. in the forms of some kind of regulatory policies, and yet the ruling party of our country, the party that controls the White House, the party that controls the Senate, the party that controls the Supreme Court, the party that controls public opinion in this very city uh, with some of our mainstream newspapers is a says that you are preaching a hoax, that we shouldn't listen to you when you say that this is a very important existential threat, that it's non-existent and made up, and that we should just go back to enjoying the tax breaks uh, that the president uh, gave us. Uh, how do you deal with that as a political strategist? How do you just deal, deal with that with trying to figure out a way out of these problems? Well. It's always a battleground of ideas. I mean, again, going back to a pluralistic society, we are going to be duking it out and the uh, uh, playing field of ideas. Now, uh, the reality is if we're gonna link this to the presidential campaign and the electoral college, what we really have to figure out is what is the strategy for people in Michigan, for instance, oh, that would be Flint, Michigan, who can't drink the water. Wow, so that's like sort of a basic, I can't drink my water. And actually, WBEZ did a big story about lead in our water yesterday that people should listen to. So all of a sudden, people in Chicago can't drink the water. And I bet if we tested it around the country, our infrastructure is, as we know, failing us. So for me, I don't believe that I shouldn't talk about climate change because our president doesn't believe in it. That's 
bullshit. What I'm going to do actually is I'm going to, as Juanita spoke about earlier, I am going to relate to everyday people's lives, the everyday issues and how climate change is impacting them, the cost of living, and actually their children's cognitive ability. If you have lead poisoning, you are screwed for life. Mm -hmm. There, There are untold impacts from this. But really, you know, we have to count. So the Democratic Party leadership, all I can tell you is, you know, who's been naughty and nice, who's winning, (laughs) who's losing. I think we are in a better place than we were a year ago. First of all, Rahm Emanuel is no longer mayor, and thank God. (laughs) And I am really glad Lori Lightfoot is mayor right now. And you keep asking me, you know, I gave her 18 months. And so I'm gonna keep giving her, she's got a few more months left to become the kind of mayor, I mean, I already like her as a mayor, but I am looking forward to her continued growth as a leader. And certainly I believe that when I wake up in the morning and I don't have to hear Rom's name every day, I feel like, you know, a lot, less stressed out and of course take a chill pill man (laughs) i you know i get to hear my own name though we spell it differently so i i like that a lot but i want to say that the democrats also you know i do want to give one shout out to these presidential candidates you may not like them you know like they may not be your cup of tea but in the last debates that i've watched because ben has shited me into it uh they're really smart people you know, you may not like them, they may not be your particular cup of tea, but no one is really actively stupid now. Gabby's a little strange, okay? She's I actually a disagree weird. with you guys at Gabby. I mean, but I, no, but I mean, I, I'm just saying, I, you know, Tulsi like- Tulsi Gabbard, I, I, I don't know what article you read, so I, I can't comment on the article. I did not read the I'll article. I'll send it to you. Uh, yeah, send it to me, I'll be happy to read the article. Uh, and uh, we've had Samina Mustafa, Romana Hussein on the show have done a very good job of pointing out uh, that that uh, Tulsi Gabbard is a little too sympathetic, let's put it that way, uh, to the the Prime Minister the, of uh, the President of India, uh, Hindu nationalism, et cetera, and so forth, very destructive force uh, in Indiana. And that is, you know, you kind of, that is something that you should be very concerned about. But I do uh, appreciate her voice I say this to Samina when she's on the show, that the fact that she's willing to stand up uh, and just speak, uh, what, uh, critically about American foreign policy and how many, so many Americans have been sent off to fight wars and we don't know why they're even fighting the wars and we don't know what the justification is. So I think she, I think she fits in with what you were saying, Lori, that she has on, and her exchange with Pete Buttigieg, I'm not thinking about this, and the last debate where she came at him strong uh, and on the issue of whether- Sending people to war. Sending people to war, and then he, (laughs) classic Pete, he started doing the dancing and the dodging, and uh, so I, um, I don't know, I welcome her in the race. So I I wanna go back to Trump for a minute and I think about the fact that he just declared his residency in Florida. And you know, while New York is also right on the ocean, there's a lot more talk about climate change and its impact in Florida. So I'm just gonna kinda cross my fingers because some of the Republicans down there are actually starting to talk about 
climate change as a real thing they have to practically address. They, they've moved from it just being this pretend thing to recognizing that they're actually already experiencing the problems, right? So I think that's where we have to focus is on where people really are experiencing the impacts. I'm with you 100%, and this is what I don't understand. Florida's considered a toss-up state, uh, and it, Trump took it in 2016. Uh, and I'm with you, just following up on what Lori said, uh, Juanita, I'm with you 100%. You got, there was the algae problems on the, on the shoreline of uh, Florida that was uh, killing off the tourist industry. Uh, you have erosion in southern Florida where Miami is uh, facing the same experiences that people on the south side of Chicago are facing. Yep. You would think, you would think that the voters of Florida would, the polls would be heavily in favor of the Democrats just because there's, their existence is being threatened. Their tourist industry, right, is being threatened by the algae, et cetera. And yet it's still considered a toss-up state or Trump's ahead of it. I, I sometimes... <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's still time. And I'm also going to depend on my Puerto Rican people who are moving there in droves, both from Puerto Rico and from the Rust Belt states, um, to, to go out to vote and to turn Florida blue. And I just might have to go do some work down there while we're at it. Uh, that might be a good idea. Because I, I really have a hard time with people in Florida, why they're still sticking to the Republicans. Republicans doing nothing for them existentially. Before we go, I have to ask, Lori Glenn is our expert, our in-house expert on California politics. Back in the day, she was a political consultant and political strategist in California. She's best friends with Nancy Pelosi. Oh, She's got her on the speed <laughs> dial right now. Oh, yeah, right. Hey, I really liked, though, her whole conversation about hate. Yeah, I loved that. that. I was like, thank you, Nancy. She's like, don't you talk to me about hate. I'm Catholic. I don't hate anyone. I may hate you right now, but I don't <laughs> hate anyone. But I loved that because it's like enough is enough. You know, she's got balls, man. I got to tell you, I have not always seen eye to eye oh, with is, Nancy. I was teasing when I said you were on your best I project. know, but I have to say, what a stand-up gal. Talk about someone who's and this, I don't want to sound pejorative. I don't know how to not sound it, but someone who's grown into her leadership role. This is brava to you, Nancy Pelosi. I am so proud of you and that you are the head of our party and that you are really the most powerful woman speaker that we have and literally a speaker and the speaker of voice. And here she is balancing all these different pieces of the party because it is a transitional moment. We are going through a generational shift. And that is what is also creating this tension within the party. And uh, we do need to let the young people take over the party. They just get to make their own mistakes. And I think the baby boomers are holding on a bit too tight. But I want to say, again, brava. She's doing a great job, and I believe that Donald Trump is scared of her, mm -hmm. and he should be because she is just a whole lot smarter than he is. Before I get Juanita's thoughts, I just want to point out a correction we made this last time. Nancy Pelosi is not a baby boomer. I had this little discussion. That's correct. Uh, she is, what is it? The silent generation, isn't that what it was called? She's actually above baby, older than older than right. the yeah. baby boomers. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Juanita. Yeah, I just say I've, I've never been a super Nancy Pelosi fan either, but I have been impressed with her leadership in these recent days. Um, so I, I echo what Lori has said. And I just want to leave you with the fact that my birthday is December 20th. 
23rd and I will take it as a birthday present and it will not mess up my Christmas <laughs> if Donald Trump is impeached between now and then. Yeah with you 100% on that one. And speaking of which, tomorrow uh, we will do uh, lots of Trump talk about the impeachment. Monroe Anderson and Dolfo Mondragon will be in the studio talking Trump, 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 and Trump. So plenty of Trump impeachment talk. We didn't really do that today. We we're talking a lot of local issues. Uh, and uh, so Lori Glenn, Juanita Irizarry, thank you so much. Uh, you will not be back in the studio before uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Happy, uh, happy New Year's. Uh, Nick Spazzato told me, I'm not allowed to say happy holidays. Nick Spazzato was in here. You know, I opened up my studio to even Trump supporters. Nick Spazzato, an alderman from the uh, 30. As you should. As I should. Well, not <laughs> on limits. <laughs> it's on limits, but, you know, I've known Nick You're for a, a few years. You're a journalist here. You're uh, supposed to be valid. Uh, so I, we had Nick in the studio, and he was chiding me, among other things, with no happy holidays. He said, I'm not allowed to say happy holidays, Juanita. I'm a good evangelical girl, and I'm happy to say happy holidays. Yeah, I said to Nick, what if you're, you don't believe it if you're an atheist? You know, what if you don't believe in God? You know, that just blew his mind. Whatever. Well, I just want to give a shout out talking about safe and peaceful communities that um, Laura Washington did an amazing column on Monday uh, about the um, Partnership for Safe and Peaceful Communities has been investing in uh, groups on the ground, uh, uh, communities partnering for peace, uh, cred and ready. Uh, they don't invest in cred, but they partner all together. And I am just so proud of working with these groups on the ground because they are making a difference. And while $11 million that Lori Lightfoot gave to the uh, uh, Office uh, of Violence Prevention under the leadership of Susan Lee and Norman Kerr, and shout out to the two of them. Uh, there, that is more than the three hundred and fifty thousand that Rom had given, and it is definitely a step in the right direction. I want to thank the mayor for doing that. Encourage her to give more, and I want to shout out to all these people who put their lives at risk to make our cities a, a safer city and. Um, I just want to say thank you. All right, very good. That's Lori Glenn, Juanita Rosari. Thank you both for coming in. I want to thank Dave Gloetz, uh, Mr. Bike, outstanding uh, job he did with those clips from the city council, breaking down the budget process. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, as Juanita knows, back home in Alton, Illinois, they call him White Lightning. No one calls me that, but I'm going to give a special shout out to, uh, we're back on YouTube, by the way, everybody. So if you're listening to this on the download, Head over to YouTube for our Wednesday show. Shout out to all of our YouTube live stream chatters. They are disagree disagreeing, but getting along. <laughs> okay. <laughs> disagreeing. Which part are they disagreeing? The criticism of Lori Lightfoot or the praise of Lori Lightfoot? Well, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm you guys just, are awesome. Thank you so much for yeah. tuning in and jumping back with us. Uh, yes. And appreciate the... Was it Brian we have to thank for that? Uh, Mr. Ernst uh, for getting us back on YouTube. All right. As I was saying, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joy Vault in Illinois. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, like I said, we live stream this program on the Ben Jarofsky show on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. I'll get it right. Yeah, we were on Facebook, but no longer. Sorry, Zuckerberg. Back on YouTube, go check us out. Search for the Chicago Sun-Times, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. 
And find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook and Twitter, and the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. See you tomorrow.